Welcome to another episode of Conversations for Financial Professionals, where we are shaping the next generation of financial advice. And I got a real treat. Half the BLX internship program team is here. Chloe Moore and Luis Rosa. You guys are doing a bang up job over there. And we had to have you on to come and talk about this great program. I'm not going to uh, try to steal your thunder by giving you a proper intro. We'll let everybody hear who you are, but welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Dominique. Pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely had to, um, uh, when we start thinking about all the different things that are going on in the financial services industry, you know, between fintech and fee consolidation and yada, 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 we have to talk about this whole attracting, retaining, and hiring uh, really good talent. And I think you guys are at the forefront of what you're doing. Giants in the making here. So before we get started, let's introduce everybody to who you are. And because you guys, you know, we're all founders here of our own firm. And I want to make sure that everybody kind of has proper introduction. So ladies first, go Miss Chloe. All right. My name is Chloe Moore. I'm the founder of Financial Staples, which is a fee-only a virtual financial planning firm based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And, and I, I serve primarily uh, young tech professionals uh, and, and I, I specialize in equity compensation. Good stuff. Good stuff. And Mr. Luis. Thank you. My name is Luis Rosa. I am the founder of Build a Better Financial Futures, a fee-only financial planning firm. I don't have a fully defined niche, but I primarily work with couples in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who are still in the accumulation phase of their lives, a lot of which happen to be of Latinx, Hispanic, Latino, Latinas. And a lot of them first generation uh, in the US where they're the first ones buying homes and, and all that. So I'm just helping them navigate through that and, and help close the wealth gap. So great to have these, these giants uh, in, on the podcast to talk about this kind of stuff. So let's talk about increasing pathways for diverse talent in financial services. I want to read this because I want to get this right. This is directly from your website. It says the financial planning industry is woefully underrepresented from a diversity standpoint. In fact, 73% of certified financial planners are white males. We believe that in order to move the financial planning profession forward, we must be more representative of the population of our country. According to the CFP board and the U.S. Census Bureau, only 3.8% of certified financial planner pros are Black or Latinx, while those populations make up 31.9% of our country. And it is projected that in by 2045, the United States will be a minority majority. This is the future of our profession. My question is, and I will let Miss Chloe tackle this first, what effect is the BLX um, internship program trying to have on this particular situation? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, one of the big things that firms say is that, you know, we, we have an issue finding this diverse talent. You know, we, we want to hire more, um, more people of different backgrounds, but you know, where, where do we find them? And, and so we're eliminating that obstacle, uh, through the BLX internship program as, you know, we're saying here, we have this pool of people you know, these, these black and Latinx aspiring financial planners uh, that, that want to get into the industry. And, and a lot of them have had hard times getting into the industry. They've been trying, you know, they've been reaching out to firms and trying to get 
get jobs as financial planners or associate financial planners, and they've had those those doors shut. So so we're we're offering these people up to fun, to firms and saying, hey, you know this this obstacle is goes away now. Lewis, I wonder what your take is on that. Is because I I hear a lot of you know the whole need more experience and all this other kind of stuff. What, what's, what's your take on, on kind of the same question, I guess, just from a different angle, maybe. Yeah, we're looking to create a ripple effect because the barriers to entry are pretty high. Going back to what you were reading from our website, I feel like this is something that you can apply to other industries or even society as a whole. Black and Latinx people make up a you know, there are minorities to some degree, but then they're, they're majority in the things that hurt them, right? Like incarceration rates, illiteracy rates, and things like not being represented in, in way too many professions, including ours. And we noticed that a lot of Black and Latinx people that did get access to the industry wasn't really uh, in a way that they were coming in from a financial planning standpoint. It was more in a product-based sales type of environment, selling insurance and things of that sort. So the advice that the people need on a day-to-day -day basis wasn't really getting to the people that needed the most. And I feel like, um, like Chloe was saying, one of the things is just uh, we hear firms saying, well, there's a lack of the, the pool, right, the talent. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not necessarily looking in the right places because, you know, some of these firms, sometimes they just get an email from a big client that says, hey, my son is in college and he's having uh, some time off this summer. Can you host him as an intern in your firm? And then, oh, sure, you know, they just go ahead and do it. And so they're not even looking anywhere else. And, and that just continues to happen, which is why the numbers are so skewed. Financial planners all the time talk to their clients about diversifying their portfolios, but we hardly look at the industry and look at our firms inside and say, well, we need to diversify the firm too. I wonder, you've raised up a good point. And Chloe, if you could chime in on this, where are firms looking? Like, <laughs> I mean, this seems to be, like so many pools of talent from, you know, all of us have gone to these big conferences, whether they're put on by our custodians or some of, you know, our professional organizations. Uh, I just wonder, where are they looking? Where, what have you found about that? Yeah, um, there, it, it reminds me, there's an interesting article that, that was in Morningstar, I think last year it came out and it was talking about, uh, you know, it, it's a networking problem. Yeah, you know, people tend to look in their networks first. And so if you have you know, majority white firms, they're looking at their networks, which are probably majority white. Um, and so that's where they find the talent. And even even if they go to colleges, they're going to predominantly white institutions um, or financial planning programs that are at these predominantly white institutions. And so um, so it's just kind of a ripple effect, you know, when you when you're only looking in certain areas that are close to to proximity. Um, and you don't have a, a pretty diverse network, then, you know, that that's where the issue lies. Let me ask this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a second as we expand this conversation on um, on finding these diverse on finding diverse talent to fill these spots. I wonder if this is an exposure problem, too. Right. So I graduated college in 98. I graduated high school in 94. I don't ever remember anybody coming to my high school talking about careers in financial services or anything like that. Maybe to Lewis's point, some product sales about insurance or something like that. But I mean, even throughout my years in college, um, and I went to a historically black college, 
um, Prairie View A&M University. Yay. Um, we didn't have, I, I had a finance degree, but this was not something talked about. So I wonder, along with the networking and some of the other stuff, how much do would you attribute to this being ex, an exposure problem also? Yeah, it's a combination. That's a great point, Dominique, because it, it goes both ways too. And to your point, the same thing happened to me. I graduated high school in 97, college in 2001. I was a economics major. And not once did I ever hear anything about personal finance or a financial planner being an option as a career choice. I know a lot of more schools are having these programs now, but it wasn't an option for me at all. There was finance, there was economics, but I didn't even hear about a financial planner until I graduated college and I was introduced to one. I just had no idea that one existed or even what they did. In fact, it took me a while to figure out what they did, even after I was hired by one, <laughs> just because it was just not a conversation that was had in my family, that there was no wealth to manage to begin with. And it was not accessible in school either. So I didn't even know. Uh, so it would be great to see a whole bunch of CFP professionals be able to take some time to volunteer or through some organizations and go to colleges on career day and things like that so that people get more exposed. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do in the BLX internship program by hosting different webinars with student-led organizations and also university programs that have these kinds of programs or that have a um, you know very diverse pool of candidates. Because we're noticing too, a lot of our interns are hearing about this for the very first time as well. They weren't even considering a career financial planning until we mentioned it. Or now some of them had an idea, but now they, they really do know what it is that a financial planner does because they're getting the exposure via the internship program to be able to sit in with an actual planner in client meetings, help out, prepare for the meeting, do the, you know, the, the communication with the clients afterwards, and it's not a product based at all. So the exposure, yeah, it's a, it's a two-way street for sure. Yeah, Chloe, what are your thoughts on exposure? Because I know, correct me if I'm wrong, where, where'd you go to school? You went to a school with a, a financial planning program, correct? Yeah, I went to University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And <laughs> And uh, yeah, we had a financial planning program there. Yeah. So, okay. So that was probably a different experience than, than what I had, but I guess to, to that same point, do you see this as an exposure problem as well, or how much would you attribute it to actually, you know, there's just not enough people talking about the greatness that happens in a really good financial planning process where financial advice is, is being, you know, exchanged between the client and the service professional. Yeah, I think two things come to mind. Uh, the first one is, yeah, it, it's definitely an exposure thing. Um, and, and just to hit it from a different angle, you know, just exposure to what real wealth looks like, you know, just beyond beyond what you see on social media and all, all those things that are probably not real wealth. <laughs> um, you know, when when you, you know, we've all worked in the industry for, for a pretty long time. And it's like when you start to be around people who have real wealth, you see that they've seen their parents have a financial advisor or they've, you know, they've, they've grown up with that exposure to like to our industry uh, in general and just kind of, you know, and, and, and seeing just other professionals like hiring other professionals and having long-term relationships with other, other professionals um, in the financial services industry. So, um, so, so just, I think that's part of it too. Like we, you know, typically don't underrepresented groups. We don't grow up with that kind of, exposure through through our parents or through our communities um, and, and seeing that as a as an option uh, the other thing is that i don't think people really understand like what financial planning is um you know like you said dominique people think about sales they think about you know selling insurance or 
investment management. But I think something that we as an industry should probably focus a lot more on as we talk about the industry uh, is, is just some of the like kind of making it more desirable, you know, thinking about just the transformations that we make in clients' lives and, and just some of the, the shifts that we, that we see clients make, helping clients be, like save their first million dollars um, or help, you know, seeing clients kind of cross over those different thresholds and, and reach their goals and live the life of their dreams. Um, it, it goes so much beyond like the investment management piece or just the, you know, the, the numbers and the technical piece of it. And so I think just having it be a more desirable uh, yeah, industry, I think would, would help too. I, I think, I think you raise a good point. Um, and I, I'm going to want Lewis's opinion on this too, because I, I've often, even what I'm doing with jumpstart now is more on kind of dispelling some of the myths of the financial services industry and to still, you know, a conversation from Carl Richardson and, and, and Kitsis is, you know, we've got to transform this thing from financial services industry to, financial planning profession. I think making that distinction really clear, uh, because I believe, you know, real financial advice, the kind of that, you know, people on this uh, call are doing, and hopefully the people that are listening to this um, are doing, actually changes family, uh, uh, family trees, has the ability to change family trees. And everybody deserves the opportunity to change their family tree. So with that being said, I think you raise a really good point on drawing that line of distinction and making this a more attractive profession for people to become a, a part of, you know, just like, you know, an attorney or a physician or, or something like that. Would you agree with that, Lewis? Yeah. You know, and as Chloe was saying, you both tied it in really well. I started thinking about my neighborhood when I was growing up in Washington Heights in New York city. And I remember in terms of professional offices, there, there was not an RIA in my in my neighborhood at all right there was not a financial advisor there were tax preparers who popped up during tax season <laughs> don't get me started on that one by the way uh, <laughs> and you see the doctors and lawyers offices right but and there were no financial planners so that's the other exposure problem too it, you can't they say right you can't be what you cannot see like i never saw uh, me advertised to be a financial planner there's also no clear defined path to get into what hopefully becomes a profession one day. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, you know exactly what you need to do. You got to go to pre-law, pre-med, you know, the exams, right? And then what you do afterwards to choose a specialty, et cetera. There's no clearly defined path to become a financial planner. There's so many different avenues to go in. And unfortunately for black and Latinx people, it's usually through sales, right? Or some sort of supportive administrative role, you know, and a lot of companies don't necessarily uh, then make it where you would want to stay in the profession either, because at some point it becomes where there's no like clearly defined upward path for you mobility within the firm either. Like maybe you get hired and you're a planner, you might get a base salary plus some cut on whatever you bring in, but then, you know, do you become a partner? Is there equity? Like, uh, you know, I think firms need to really look into that very deeply, especially as they look at succession planning in the future. There's got to be some clearly defined path so that people are interested in staying in as well once they do make it. No, I would agree. I think that's a good segue to um, this next point I wanted to bring up and definitely draw into the conversation, which is this whole notion around attracting, hiring, and retaining the best talent. You know, I was, I'm old enough to remember uh, the throes of 2008. And uh, I knew a couple of us, you know, so we've seen this, we've been around a, a little while. and. 
I think although we had um, uh, diverse talent that existed in the industry at that point in time, I don't know that we were set up as well to survive the market downturn um, as others. Let's put it that way. So I'm wondering what you guys have in store for uh, the BLX internship and just maybe some some thoughts that you have for the industry around not just attracting and hiring talent, but keeping them on board almost to the point that you said, Lewis, about this career track, a, a, a path that makes sense that people can see themselves being in this career five, 10, 15, how many ever years down the road. And they don't have to own their own firm if they don't want to. Could you could you speak to that just a little bit and then we'll pass it to Miss Chloe? Yeah, you know, that's a great point, because one thing I've seen is that a lot of planners get in, they start working for another firm, but then they reach a point where they're like, all right, there's nowhere else for me to go. And the only other option is to then launch their own firm. Now, you know, which it's not for everybody. Like I my case in point, I never sat here, you know, even two years ago, I never sat down and said, oh, yeah, my, my dream is to own my own RIA, <laughs> you know, and I feel like that is the case with a lot of my colleagues. They felt, which is the case with me, it was a necessity. Like I, I couldn't work with my peers because wherever I was working, I was very heavily based on assets under management. Right. And when I looked at the people that are my age group, they, nobody had a half a million dollars to go invest at our RIA. Right. A lot of the investable assets happen to be in a 401k, which the advisor couldn't touch anyway. But they need advice. They, they are raising kids. They're buying houses for the first time. Right. So I felt like I needed to go out and get my own firm. But we don't necessarily need, you know, three million solo shops either. Right. Plus, not everybody's interested in that. There's a lot that comes along with running your own firm and being the one that wears all the hats. Not everybody wants that. So if we get it similar to, I would say, like doctors' practices do it, law firms do it, right? Associates, like they get a chance to become partners. There's got to be a more clearly defined track within the, the firms themselves so that people can stay in. And there's got to be something in it for them so that they don't just plateau too quickly and then just get you know, at a point where they just decide to go on their own and just leave the profession altogether. Chloe, what are you thinking about ideas for retaining this talent, um, for allowing this profession to blossom and grow in, I would say, reach or at least allow other people to identify with, oh, somebody looks like me. I, I might want to go talk to them. Yeah, so I, I want to back up a little bit and talk about just even getting the talent in the first place. Yeah, I think yeah, firms... Yeah, firms need to be more open to um, to just different skill sets, uh, different you know transferable skills from other industries. Uh, we have a lot of career changers that discover the profession later on, and um, and I, I think you know something that we always see you know if a firm is hiring an entry level position, it's entry level, but you have to have two to three years of experience, and it's like, well, how do you get the two to three years of experience? And it's if you, yeah. <laughs> the $64,000 so, question, as we like to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 also, you know, I, I think firms, a lot of times they want someone to go to a you know, financial planning program, which are, again, at PWIs, and you have to kind of know that that exists in order to get into that program. Uh, so so just being open to having having someone, you know, kind of learn on the job and, and learn, learn, you know, maybe, maybe have some kind of 
background uh, and, and maybe take some courses towards the CFP. But but just being open to someone who maybe comes from a tax background or comes from insurance or comes from somewhere else where they have some transferable skills uh, and, and focus a lot more on on the, you know, the, the work ethic and the grit and those things that are kind of intangible. Are you ready to serve others with your unique talents through a career in financial services? Jumpstart is the first international community built to help you become a next generation financial professional. You could be a career changer not knowing where to begin or an existing financial professional just trying to learn a little bit more about being successful in this industry. In either case, Jumpstart is here for you. Inside this community, you'll receive mentorship and coaching along with opportunities to build your network so that you can find your place inside financial services. You'll get an opportunity to participate in discussions, learn from others, and attend live events. Jumpstart is all about helping good people find great opportunities to do just that. Let this community help you find your path into this great profession. Join us for free by visiting www.jumpstartcoachinglab.com. Now let's get back to the conversation. Before you pivot to the re retention of talent, because I, I love where you're going with this, because I see this all the time of, hey, I've applied here, I've done this. And, and part of what Jumpstart is trying to do is help people take their transferable skills and I won't say market, but at least present those in a way that are a little bit more attractive to firm owners. I'm a firm owner, you guys are firm owners, you kind of know what we're looking for. Maybe kind of give some, some, um, some rationale behind why maybe firm owners see such a risk, um, if, if, if that's the way that you think that they're, the reason why they're not uh, hiring these people? I honestly, I don't even think it's a risk thing. It's just uh, the path of least resistance. It's like, can we, it's easier to find someone who, who knows all of the technical stuff and, and, and somehow, you know, firms think they can teach them all of the soft skills or all the other skills that they need to know, like the communication or, um, you know, just the, the work ethic and all those things. But, um, I, I think of it kind of the opposite way. It's like, I can teach you all the technical stuff. Like I got, I, I have that, <laughs> like, and I, and I can teach anybody that stuff, but I can't teach you all of the, you know, the, the different skills that you you just kind of have that are kind of innate and, and just kind of natural to you um, that are required to really have longevity in this, in this industry. Yeah. So there's people that know that have all the technical skills, but they can't get in front of a client. Yeah. Bedside manner is what I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts yeah. on retention though? So how, how, how do we, how, how do we keep people in this industry that are really good at what they do, but, because the way that this industry has been formed, the tough times because of the model that this industry is really built around, which is assets under management, you know, a recession hits or tough times hit, you know, sometimes we're not like capitalized enough or the firm infrastructure, you know, you know, doesn't allow for, you know, to keep 15 people or 15 headcount. What are, what are some of your thoughts around retention? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the $64 million question. <laughs> we got a couple in this been, conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, as, as far as, as far as larger firms that actually have the resources, you know, to, to create career paths, like they, they just have to focus more on, on that DEI diversity, equity and inclusion and, and, and think about, you know, what kind of culture are they creating as a firm? Um, you know, of course it's, it's always hard being the first or the only one, 
um, to get yourself in the door. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully as, as firms start to think about, you know, attracting that, that talent and retaining that talent, they, you know, as they move those, those, you know, black and brown employees up the ranks, then, you know, that, that employee can bring other people behind them and kind of create that pipeline um, over time. Yeah, I think that's good. I think um, it sets up excellently for what I want to ask next is, what are some of the strategies you guys are using or maybe don't mind sharing inside of this program, this internship that is exposing firm owners to the type of talent that we've been talking about um, at a pretty low risk? I mean, I mean, I would say no risk, at least in my opinion, but you know, everybody's a little different. Um, talk about what you guys are doing in this program um, and just kind of um, let us know what, what the program is and, and, and how people are benefiting from it as not only firm owners, but of course, the people that are participating in the program. Yeah. Um, I, so there's a couple of things that we're doing. Uh, it's not just a, a pure matching service. Um, we, we do aim to, as we continue to grow, we aim to have more content. Uh, so for this year, we did have a, a DEI training session for the firms. Um, and we've also, throughout the summer, we've been doing training sessions for the participating interns. Uh, and so, and so over time, you know, as we you know, evolve with the program, uh, in the fall, what we want to do in, in advance of our, of our, uh, application session is to, is to basically work on some interview skills, uh, communication skills, resume writing skills, um, you know, just kind of educating the aspiring financial planners about the profession. Um, so doing some of that legwork on the front end so they can present, you know, their best selves, uh, to to these firms. And so we, we want to do a lot of work on, you know, helping to develop the candidates uh, that are that are participating in the program and then also help the firms, you know, with, with providing those DEI resources where we can. Yeah, Lewis, I wonder if you can speak to maybe what, how you guys are sourcing, maybe it's just feedback uh, on how you're using some of the, the the strategies for building this program like what are the building box blocks that are going into what you guys think people need to know whether they're a firm owner or a participant in the program yeah feedback is definitely a key word i mean this is our first year so we have great intention behind it right a lot of help a lot of people have volunteered and we keep perfecting the systems as we go right but like Chloe was saying, we're doing a lot also on the back end so that firms can be more open-minded to career changes as well, or even students that perhaps didn't major in financial planning. So a lot of the trainings we're doing are right, like resume building, also interview prep, as well as getting very well-versed in what the industry is like, the different fee structures, talking about the different models like REAs, broker-dealers, fee-only, all of that stuff, so that they do have a very good idea by the time that they get to work with these firms. And then hopefully learn even more as they're inside of the firm, right? We also have like Money Guy Pro was gracious enough to give us access for our interns, for them to sign up for the program and they can use Money Guy Pro, also go through their online university and, and learn about the program inside out. So hopefully that gives them a better idea, even if the firm doesn't use Money Guy Pro, but at least they know what a financial planning software does, what it looks like, and they can always transfer those skills. So we continue to grow. We're in the process of creating a 501c3. So eventually as when that happens and we get some funding, we can then create even more opportunities and more trainings for the candidates as well and scholarships. And NAFA as well, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors has been excellent with their support. 
and they're offering a ton of resources to our interns as well. Uh, so like Chloe saying, it's not just a, a matching system. This is really like helping firms get talent. You know, studies have shown that a more diverse pool of employees also is better for your bottom line, you know, and I want firms to also be open-minded because like you were saying, Dominique, you know, the, the traditional AUM model can also be paired with fees for planning itself so that you could attract younger people and more diverse people that perhaps don't have as much money. But at the end of the day, I understand you're running a firm, so it has to be profitable, but these new candidates can also give you, um, a department that you never had before. Maybe you have a young millennial that could start working for your firm and start focusing on student loan restructure. And, and that's something that you can offer to say your, your client's kids, you know, a lot of advisors don't have a relationship with the client's kids. And when the parents die, the AUM doesn't stay with them because you just never had that relationship. Right. This is another way that firms can retain some of that AUM that they love so much. Right. <laughs> so it's a win-win all around. No, I love I love the way that you're, you're that you you know kind of deposited that into the conversation because I, I think firm owners have to be creative, right? Um, yes, we understand the bottom line, understand you got to keep the lights on, yada yada yada. But at the same time, if you've got somebody that's 15, 20 years younger than you that understands the vernacular of social media, um, although they may not be ready to face a client and do financial plans, they can definitely help you shape up your social media presence, right? Because that, that's a more of a native language um, for you know people, let's say, that are younger and coming out of school right now. So I think there's a lot of ways that firm owners, if they chose to be more creative, that they could realize the value in looking at more diverse and or younger uh, talent when it comes to this industry. What maybe some, uh, can you share maybe some of the feedback of the firms that have participated? Um, if they've seen things like that, or maybe other things that are, let's call it tangential to the financial planning process, but still valuable to the firm. Yeah. I mean, I can speak from experience just myself. I'm on my second intern now. And, uh, I had one before we started the program and now another one with the program. And yeah, it's, it's a junior in college. Like, you know, I'm already in my forties. I'm not up on the latest things and they've been able to help me with my process as a sole owner. Uh, creating templates for client meetings, you know, things that, that a lot of the truthfully, I was just winging. Right. And they, they have helped me tremendously, like create a process of softwares that I, I never even heard of that were not designed for financial planning that could be used in my process, as far as like keeping track of the meetings, you know, things like that. It, it, so I've been like, wow, this is, this is amazing. What else don't I know? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's great. That's great. Chloe, did you have any feedback you want to share that from uh, firm owners or maybe even participants? Uh, uh, let's talk about the other side of the table uh, from the program. Yeah, um, I, I want to give a shout out to to one of our participating firms, Abacus uh, Wealth Partners, and they they took on five five interns over the summer. And I, I want to say they were all career changers. Uh, wow. And so, uh, yeah, and it's they've they've done an amazing job just helping you know, kind of facilitate the internship program. They've had they've brought in you know webinars and had other financial planners, black and brown, LGBTQ, um, you know, kind of talk about the different parts of the industry. And, and, and also they're working on a really cool project um, that, and I'm not sure you know, where it initiated, but, but they're working on a survey to figure out how to serve more black women and financial services. And so, um, so that's something that, you know, two of the interns are working on and Abacus, Abacus is supporting them in those efforts. And they're doing research right now uh, through surveys with financial planners who work with black clients and then also with black women. 
uh, to, to see kind of where's that disconnect and how can we better serve you know, more minority clients. Uh, and so, so there, there's a lot of cool things that can come from, you know, just having, having dif- more diverse perspectives uh, in your firm. No, I, I would, I would echo that a thousand percent. I just think it's one of those things where you have to be intentional about wanting to change um, and not just staying with the status quo because it's either comfortable or if it's, it's the Staples easy button. Uh, no, no pun intended on your firm name. Uh, but the, the point just being that I think we have to start to think about this uh, level of innovation in our industry like other industries have thought, you know, like you start thinking about like, I, I just remember when me and my wife were talking about this last night, like in 98, we were talking to our 19 year old, but in 98, when I graduated from uh, college, like the internet was used as like almost a digital library. It, <laughs> that's all it was. It was Alta Vista search or Netscape. And that was it. But nowadays, I mean, you got this device in your pocket that allows you to just work from home. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. And so that type of innovation has happened in the span of, like 25 years, like our industry, I know it's not that old, but the point is, is like, we're still doing things from like the seventies and the eighties. And it's like, when are we going to catch up? So, uh, no, I'm so glad to hear that you guys are doing a lot of great things over there. Um, in the, in the, in the internship program, any final, That's a great thoughts point, Dominique. You, I'm sorry, go ahead. Say it. Yeah, no, that was a great point. Sorry. Uh, you're, you're so right. Sometimes we get set in our ways. And I think the pandemic was a big wake up call for a lot of advisors something as simple as using zoom right like they just were not prepared for it working from home and having a remote team as well <laughs> was a lot of things that advisors really struggle with and it turns out that a lot of clients really prefer actually to just meet virtually because mm-hmm. I, I deal a lot with clients in the east coast and they love it when i have a call with them at eight o'clock at night it's only like you know five o'clock on my end but they already put the kids down. They don't have to drive to my office, nothing. I mean, it's like, <laughs> they just love it. You know, it's a, a lot of the things that we're set in our ways. I mean, if you're open and I love the word that you use being intentional, usually we're intentional, like with marketing, going after clients, you could be intentional about the hiring that you do too. You could be very targeted in the way you do it. Uh, and, and again, it's going to be a win-win for everybody. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, this is this has been great. As we bring this in for Atlanta, you guys know that this podcast is, is to help empower tomorrow's financial professional with tools to serve their client at the next level. In that context, uh, Ms. Chloe, we'll start with you. Do you have any word or words of wisdom to leave with the audience? Yeah, I would say if, if you're you know looking to get into the industry, just don't don't give up, knock down the doors. Uh, <laughs> you know, just keep continue to work on work on your skills. Um, you know, whether whether they are the technical skills or the the transferable skills, like the non tangible kind of skills, uh, and and just keep keep going for it. No, no, I couldn't I couldn't echo that more. I I think one of the things that is maybe not lost on career changers, but uh, de- definitely needs to be said is that you are in a lot of instances starting from scratch. Yes, you got transferable skills, but you don't know what you don't know. And you need to be willing to learn. You need to be willing to invest in yourself. You need to be willing to look at this as more of a marathon versus a sprint. And the patience that I think is connotated behind what you just said, uh, knocking down the doors, having that persistence. You know, I've talked to career changers that, you know, they they've connected with people on LinkedIn, gone on these mock interviews, asked people they were just doing stuff. You know, they were knocking on the door, if you will. 
of opportunity until it 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 flung open. So I, I love that you say that. Uh, Lewis, same question for you, my friend. Yeah, I think networking is huge. Uh, like Chloe had mentioned about firms networking, I think individuals, especially looking to get into this career path, should be networking because there are so many things that you don't know. Like you were saying, Dominique, you don't know what you don't know. And and that has happened to me. I, I've made so many different connections on Twitter, LinkedIn, attending virtual conferences, in-person conferences when when uh, before the pandemic. And you meet so many people. And eventually I remember like I started st forming study groups with certain people like uh, like Chloe, for example, we met at a conference. And then it's just like the amount of things that she has shared with me that has helped me individually to grow. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like I probably would have never even bumped into it had I not had the relationship with it, you know? So be sure to network. There might be people in that already did what you're trying to accomplish. And they might save you some time and some headaches just by saying, hey, go this way instead of this way. Well, here's what I use to land my first job, whatever, you know? So definitely be out there, join groups like industry groups, you know, look at Financial Planning Association, XY Planning Network, you know, there's a lot of information, NAPFA, like a lot of stu uh, study groups as well um, for students. If you if you want to join as a student, even, you know, it's not free necessarily, but it's not too expensive either. So be involved in the industry as well, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to that quickly. Um... You know, I, I just think there there are certain parts of our industry that you know they they see each other as competition, um, but you know once once you kind of figure out you know your lane and you get into certain circles in our industry, we are all very open and and we all have that abundance mentality. We want to help each other out. You know, we're I, I mean most most of my friends that are financial planners, you know, we all have our own firms, but we refer each other business. Uh, you know, we help each other grow, and uh, so it's not about you know just kind of helping ourselves you know we, we really do want to see each other succeed no I, I think that's a that's a really really good point uh place to put a pin in it because th most of the people that are doing this job really well um especially the people that um you know that we're talking about right now and in, in some of our friend circles uh, that we know this is all about giving like i think most of um <laughs> if you look at the word financial services professional it's service in there, right? So serve it, you're, you're trying to give. So I think most people are of that ilk. And um, that is definitely true of you two individuals. And thank you for sharing your time and your expertise and what you're doing with the, uh, with the internship program. I, I can do, I'll do all I can to support and help because I think the more the merrier when it comes to getting diverse talent into this industry. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. All right, good stuff guys. Talk to you soon, bye-bye. Hey there, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Before we go, just a few things. The best way to retain what you just learned is to do more than just listen. First, you need to write down your most important takeaway and then you need to give yourself a deadline to apply it. For bonus points, you might also let someone hold you accountable to that deadline. Also, remember the only way more people will know about this podcast is if you share it. You can do that by sharing a link to this episode on your social media or by leaving a review on iTunes so that it reaches a wider audience. I'd appreciate if you took the time to do either or both. And finally, if you'd like to join my free community to learn more about how you can become a next generation financial professional, please text me at 214-544-9226. I love to hear from you and point you in the right direction. Bye for now until our next conversation.